0: Everybody. Everybody knows that it's time for the Love Sexy era to begin. To kick off the Love Sexy album with a discussion about the album's first song I know. I'm joined by one of the hosts of the Music Snobs podcast, Arthur Turnbull. Welcome to the show, Arthur.
1: Hi. It's a pleasure to be here. I've I've um I was telling you before we started recording, I, I'd been listening to, to um to your podcast um prior to having the opportunity to join it, and then you know, after we kind of booked it I started binging, you know, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this man is really <laughs> going in song Crazy. by song, album <laughs> by album." Well, some would say, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say even. <laughs> but um yeah, but it's it, it's it's uh it's great to be able to, you know, have a running chronicle of lyrics of um Prince songs. Just this morning I was listening to uh uh, the ballad of Dorothy Parker, the show that you did focusing on that. And um, you know, that is a song that is near and dear to my heart. And um yep. the Love Sexy album is also, you know, near and dear. And so um I really thank you for the opportunity to go in and 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 put my best effort into justifying uh the estate sanctioning a deluxe box set release of this album.
0: Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So. If you're listening the State, although if the State's listening, I might have already been in trouble for some of the stuff that I've <laughs> <laughs> included in my episode. So um, I think I'm still under the radar quite a bit. So anyway, yes, thank you. Thank you for agreeing to be on, Arthur, and I appreciate you, um, the kind words, even though I, I do understand that my my venture in Prince lyrics canon and doing it chronologically is a bit bonkers. Mm. but i do what i do like about doing it chronologically though is making those kind of leaps in his uh, in his development in his growth as a songwriter and as, as a lyricist yeah. and understanding where like certain things certain aspects of his songwriting are heavy focused for a while and they kind of just drop off mm-hmm. or like the first references to something like we have first references up the up the wazoo in the song <laughs> in particular correct yes yeah, right yes and if we're not doing this chronologically, you know, you might not make that, you might not see the importance of how, like, a song like I Know is to what where Prince is going to be going here in the next few years and some mm-hmm. of the stuff he's going to be talking about. Um, but before we get real deep into the song, Arthur, do you mind, like, since you're a first-time guest, would you mind us telling people a little bit about yourself and maybe yeah. your connection to Prince and how you got started listening to him?
1: Oh, sure, sure, sure. So, um... I, you know, I first heard Prince, um, like you know, so many others of of, of my generation. Um, I am of a certain age, um, by my older sister. Um, I, just, I have a sister; she's ten years older than I am, and um, she, uh, most directly, but indirectly also by you know, my parents uh, really fostered the love of music that I have, and um, going into you know, vinyl and. Reading liner notes and you know and such, and uh, I actually first heard Prince uh, on the radio, uh, and the song was "I want to, I want to be your lover." And um, my sister bought the album, and I had made you know the connection between you know that being the song. I was you know roughly you know, eight, nine years old, and somewhere around this time, um, my 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 parents bought me a drum set and so i started learning how to play drums and i played that song on drums a lot because it was you know it was easy for me you know it's a simple you know four on the floor beat you know with a, just a little bit of you know syncopation in the fourth measure and um that you know continued on throughout the rest of the album And I kind of not walked away from Prince, but, you know, I wasn't locked into him. Um, I did see the American Bandstand appearance that he made where he was, you know, chewing gum and holding up four fingers with Clark and stuff like that, you know. Um, (laughs) But, you know, what I was really listening to uh, amongst, you know, my friends, I was listening to a lot of rock, a lot of rock music, um, Rush and ACDC and... um, i think i had this balance in between the music that i was interested in along with the music that my older sister and my parents were listening to which got into you know santana and minnie riperton and stevie wonder and um commodores and parliament and so i kind of had these two sides and amongst my um peers you know it was kind of an oddball because um you know, black kid listening to, you know, Angus Young and Eddie Van Halen. It's mm-hmm. it's kinda it's kinda weird, you know, it's kind of it's just it's just a little off at that time. It was, yeah, it wasn't expected for sure. Yeah. So, you know, when when controversy was released, mind you, I completely missed Dirty Mind. But when controversy was released, that was a stronger advent of video and there was some local video stations. Uh, I grew up in the Bay Area, so shout out to uh, the California Music Channel and Soul Beat, but you know, seeing controversy and seeing the way that Prince, you know, presented himself in his band, you had this band, you know, and you had him with the guitar, you had Des Dickerson with the guitar, you know, uh, in this kind of you know, almost Mick Jagger, Keith Richards sort of way. It t- completely tied into what I was listening to and to kind of see this dynamic being played out that is when I kind of locked more into what Prince was doing and the times first album because that tied into what you know my roots were musically you know what I'm saying so m- once 1999 happened uh, it was it was an absolute wrap because now you had this emergence of this electronic musician and i had never seen that you know in a black artist and i completely identified with what prince was doing because it was in some more w- in some very low simplistic kind of way is what i wanted to do but it was definitely what i was listening to this hybrid of you know the clash and you know now prince and then craft work and then you know and and i was still a bit of an oddball because you know now i'm 11 and 12 years old and You know what fourth and fifth grader goes to the record store on a regular basis specifically to buy imported albums so that they could get alternate songs and stuff like that you know nobody right (laughs) no no (laughs) you know and so that sort of oddball flair that i had you know i I kind of identified with that same kind of quote-unquote oddball nature that you know that prince was presenting and uh just kind of grew from there cool
0: No, I mean, as far as Prince and the kind of listeners he uh, attracts, I think Mm. it's he's one of the rare artists that can attract listeners with a very, very diverse musical listening tastes. Yeah. And still can find something with him as an artist or a musician that draws them to him. And I know, like with the Purple Rain era, a lot of people were drawn in, you know, because of uh, the pop rock. Uh, aspects that he was really pushing forth in his music at that time and then maybe fell off when he started going in different directions but if you if you came in at a different entry point you Mm -hmm. know you had you had different albums and that's why some that's why different albums speak to different fans is because there's something in that record that just is more aligned to maybe a personal taste and what with the artist's diverse as prints in terms of like the music that he can create, whether it's straight up R and B or if it's, you know, new wave and funk mix with some rock elements, or if it's, you know, adding elements of hip hop, or if he's just doing kind of something jazzy and soulful, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he's got a little bit for everybody. And that's why he's such a unique artist where he can, he can bring a lot of different, uh, people to his music that maybe wouldn't have normally like kind of found that same common ground within him. And that's,
1: that's a cool part about being his fan, I suppose. I mean, you know, you kind of have to, you, you kind of have to do the work with an artist, an artist like Prince because, you know, um, just like you say, I mean, with this diverse palette, you know, and in you know, he was constantly, you know, changing and, you know, in the mid, in the mid '80s, um, there weren't a lot of there weren't a lot of R&B artists that were doing that that kind of changing on a regular basis. You had, I think, more of that in the '70s. For example, Parliament really jumps out to mind, where you know, album to album to album, particularly during kind of like the classic run of, say, Mothership Connection to Clones of Dr. Funkenstein, to uh, Funkentelecky and The Placebo Syndrome, and then going into the Motor Booty Affair. You know, you know, George Clinton had these different sort of personas, and there were a variety of characters that appeared on these albums, which um, didn't really have that with Stevie Wonder, for example. You know, Songs in the Key of Life Stevie, well, it was, a, it was a short Afro, but by the time you get to Hotter Than July, four years later, you know, he's in braids, you know so there's a drastic change there visually but not a whole thematic thing right yeah. <laughs> you know but you had that in rock and roll all the time you know you had kiss every album every year they had different costumings you know they, they the messaging was fundamentally the same right but the appearance you know kind of varied i mean it 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 seemed to be more of a of a of a theatrical portrayal in the rock and roll world You know, um, Ozzy Osbourne with, you know, different tours had these different thematic, you know, stances to them. And so, you know, 80s, mid 80s, definitely the period that we're talking about with Love Sexy, you know, with the advent of hip hop, um, you didn't necessarily have that visual variety. Right. It was just a reflection of what was current and in some ways what was forward thinking, you know, in in the neighborhoods. Um, Run DMC always wore Adidas and Lee jeans, right? L O Cool J always wore a Kango. And and so, you know, y- inserting, you know, an artist like Prince um in that dynamic was different, but he definitely was consistent. These appearances, these differentiations and appearances, you know, stayed consistent throughout his career. But take an artist like Michael Jackson, what he looked like on the thriller album was drastically different than what he looked like. On the bad album, right? And be like, <laughs> whoa, you know. <laughs> and then taking so it to the you next step had was to dangerous. Yeah. yeah, it's like you kinda had to put the work in, you know. And I had friends that really dug Purple Rain, but once we got to around the world in a day, and definitely parade, it was a rap. You just they just they they just signed off. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, and the record uh,
0: sales kind of reflected that. People record sales kind of reflect that. Off.
1: Absolutely yeah. agree. Yeah. 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 So yeah, man, I'm ready.
0: <laughs> okay well, the thing about I know as it leads the album off is I just want to make sure everybody realizes <laughs> if you're not familiar uh, with if you're listening to this podcast I'm sure you are he does not spell I know the letter i k n o w that's that's right. how the the two words are kind of sung in the song the, the, the meaning that he puts behind them and oftentimes throughout the song but Prince is a smart guy I mean he he knows that you know putting EYE, like, the, you know, the organ on mm-hmm. your face that you used to see to represent eye, can also represent other things, like, you know, third eye, which is as he would do later on in his career. You know, the eye that you see is also something that's important when you're talking about, like, religion and has different um, importance in different types of religions, the, the symbolism behind the eye, and then using the letters... N O, the word no, you know, like to express a negative response mm-hmm. instead of K N O W. It just changes visually it changes what you're thinking this song is going to be about. But then you have to listen to the lyrics to realize what kind of what kind of terminology is he using here? What kind of context is he is he using here to express mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. these designs. So it's just a very interesting stylized, and I think there's even versions of the song. I don't even remember if it's on the Love, Sexy album itself, where instead of the the word "I," he just uses the kind of like the symbol, you know, like a, a drawing of the of an eye. I. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that before, but he does that often as well to represent "I." So we get a little bit of the the you know the Prince, uh, the typical kind of changing of of the lexicon a bit. Uh, you know, the vernacular that he uses in this song, as we'll go through the lyrics, is quite unique. And there's like new words that he introduces throughout. This was uh, recorded in December of 1987, the song I Know. And one thing that's just kind of a unique, interesting aspect is that there's music in this song that has been lifted from a previous song that he recorded called The Ball. Mm -hmm. And this song that was meant to be on the Crystal Ball album back in late 86 for release in 87 until that dissolved into into sign of the times of course and once crystal ball concept changed to sign of the times there was no reason for a song called the ball which is you know in my opinion the lesser of the two crystal ball-esque songs crystal ball is a superior song in my mind so to keep the ball on sign of the times but get rid of crystal ball made no sense yeah so he's like you know what the whole concept's gone i'm gonna repurpose some of this music that i created for the ball and it's going to be you know a little bit of the the basis for my my new song off you know the lead song off my new album and um you know i mean it's not like it's identical there's there's enough differences i think that it's not like it doesn't sound like he's plagiarizing himself too badly here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: but but once you know that you can't really unhear it i guess is the way i look at it um let's see what else do we want to talk about with this song before we get into the lyrics well the opening poem it's interesting so like the song kind of starts off with this you know these ethereal sounds a little bit like how the album ends you know kind of it's um, bookmarked in this way from a musical standpoint then you hear the first voice you hear for the album now keep in mind this is the opening track is a woman's voice
1: rain is wet and sugar is sweet Clap your hands And stomp your feet Everybody Everybody knows When love calls You gotta go
0: This woman is uh, the poet and, and artist Ingrid Chavez, who Prince had met, I guess around this time, and they they connected, they bonded over, you know, uh, spiritual spirituality, and mm-hmm. uh, they just had, you know, like a a a bond from a uh, artistic standpoint. And so he invited her to to be on this record, and her poem is "Rain is wet and sugar is sweet, clap your hands and stomp your feet, everybody, everybody knows." When love calls, you gotta go. So I assume that that is something that Ingrid wrote, but I don't know this for a fact. I don't know if you knew anything about that, Arthur.
1: Um, I actually don't know if, if, if that was something that she authored or if that was something that, you know, she read. I know that um, her, what, you know, you but what was it, like a year later or two when she had that album that Prince produced? and um um that really great song heaven must be near with um uh, you know where P- prince wanted to showcase the the poetry that she had written i try my best not to speculate too much particularly when it's like okay you obviously didn't know you absolutely weren't there right but you know it does i do it all kind of the time fit. though so <laughs> yeah it's hard uh, not to you know it, it you know it does kind of fit uh, her vibe a little bit more than uh more than prince i think and i could see that being you know part of a, a you know like a, a verse from 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 a foot much fuller poem and uh he wanted to use that um to open up love sexy particularly with how the the the, the declarations let's say that we'll get to but the declarations that he makes you know and i know um one thing i do know is that that synth uh, Soundbed is actually a sample um, from an album, I believe the album's called Passing Clouds, from an artist called Roger Lim, and this is, uh, you know, Prince has sort of, you know, sampled himself, but um, I, I I think this is one, certainly one of the first times that he's just out and out sampled someone else in the same way that hip-hop producers were, were you know, were doing samples. So I really thought that was interesting because for years and years and years I was like, "Oh man, that's just that's just this incredible, you know, Prince-like soundscape, right?" But uh-uh, no, <laughs> it's the lift, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I read that too, and I, at the same time, I wasn't exactly sure uh, what what piece of music or what portion of the song. So thanks for clarifying that for me. I mean, it, when he's done that in the past, it's usually been like. The one that comes to mind, of course, is the look at the bargains over here, ladies, from If I yeah, Was Your Girlfriend. Yeah, 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 yeah. Samples yeah, like that. I mean, yeah. But that's not, that's not a, necessarily a music sample. That's like right. lyrics or words or phrases or something that you know he just thought were cool or would be a, an intriguing addition to a song. This one, he could have made this. I mean, he could have created right. this himself. But right. to just lift it and sample it, I guess it's kind of like... I mean, not to you know, pardon the pun, a sign of the times when sampling was kind of new and inventive aspect of hip hop, and mm-hmm. and uh, artists were doing it and you know, kind of getting away with it without having to pay royalties. Yeah, um, and just like, yeah, you know, I'm going to use this, and you know, screw it, let the uh, what's the phrase? Um, Don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness, or something like that. So right, <laughs> just, right, people were just doing stuff like that, and it was kind of like the wild, wild west in terms of. Um, you know, this this new musical journey that artists were on. So late 80s sampling is, it makes sense. Like, you know what? I like the sound. Maybe I can't recreate it identical. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to just put it exactly how it is off of this record that you had mentioned. All right. So, yeah, I mean, just also just a side for anybody who might be listening that isn't super familiar with Ingrid Chavez. So Ingrid mm-hmm. Chavez would probably be most known to a lot of, Casual Prince fans as the co-star Of Graffiti Bridge So mm-hmm. just for Your those child. of you who, Yeah exactly so for those of you who are just Like okay who is she? That's who she is and that's where you might have Seen her or heard of her before Okay so we get past That intro and then We got another intro Because mm, Prince yeah. does like a spoken word intro Welcome to the new
1: power generation The reason why my voice is so clear Is there's no smack In my brain
0: he says welcome to the new power generation the reason my voice is so clear is there's no smack in my brain um and then before we get into the next line i just do want to obviously mention this is i believe our first reference to the new power generation i believe this is first
1: yeah yeah i believe you're absolutely correct you know in real time this um Well, you know, in in real time, I certainly didn't, like, necessarily react to that declaration so much as being the... So let me say this and then I'll qualify it, right? Love Sexy being the first album that is outside the scope of the revolution, right? Because Sign of the Times is coming drawing out of all this material that was recorded for the overwhelmingly most part i don't think there was any song that's on that's that that's on sign of the times that that was recorded you know after october so maybe you got the looks except okay there you go you got to look and and now you've got an album with with you know all new material i mean it was you could argue to say that the album Love Sexy was hastily recorded because it was really recorded what with within like a, you know, six to eight week period. And then there may mm-hmm. have been some, you know, some overdubbing or some, you know, remixing thereafter before the actual release in what, May, I believe, May 1988. Um, but, and I'm purposely not bringing up the Black album, you know, right now. Um, but, you know, the new Power Generation wasn't, the idea of it wasn't foreign to me from the standpoint that for years now, you know, Prince had been basically like erecting worlds, you know, for his fans to, you know, be involved in, you know, 1999 was this, you know, Blade Runner-esque, you know, dystopian future kind of environment. And then you have Purple Rain with ruffles and flowers, you know, that kind of extends a little bit into around the world and day, but then you've got Parade and everything is in monochrome, you know, and then you've got Sign of the Times and everything is peach and black, you know. And so now we have this, you know, this new power generation. And the expectation is that Love Sexy is sort of a coming out party, you know, for this new power generation. And we're going to meet all of these new people. Uh, and, and, you know, and so it's kind of, well not necessarily fitting but you know it's it's kind of it's kind of fun let's just say real simple word right it's kind of fun to know kind of after the fact that this you know the song i know was actually recorded by new members of this band of this new power generation um the i've heard two and i i don't really think prince ever really like did demos he just did sort of like you know let's do the song let's try it again let's try it this way and then he you know sort of finishes it off you know but he did you know two versions of i know uh, at least two that i've heard um where you can in the very first one in december you can actually hear him sort of like calling for changes you know calling for different sections and you know the the the, the musicians are reacting you know to these calls um so it's nice to know that I know actually wasn't done completely you know by Prince that he actually had the input of you know the other musicians involved Um, and I really do wonder I wonder if this touring band from sign of the times and love sexy was the new power generation but just as yet officially named similar to how 1999 calls out the and the revolution on the album cover written backwards but the band wasn't called publicly the revolution until an album later
0: yeah this band tends to be lumped in or kind of uh unofficially called the love sexy band although that's never been like prince say here's my love sexy band everyone he's never done that that's just what we've the name we've given it over time because we are trying to assign names to all of his bands because that's what we like to do right you have to go from rep so like what's what's this period of time from 87 to 89 what's his band called because he doesn't come out with an album that says anything about the new power generation Mm -hmm. until 91. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we're we're, we're like desperate to assign some sort of name to this band and so we kind of did that ourselves in many cases but just to refresh everybody's memory so now the revolution's gone as you mentioned already we've got the sign of the times touring band which basically is the the musicians that make up this song this isn't like you said just a prince solo in paisley park recording everything himself kind of recording this is a this is a full band recording we've got sheila e we've got Mm -hmm. uh, miko weaver we got We've got Levi, we've got Dr. Fink, we've got Eric in Atlanta, we've got Bonnie. And um, as far as vocals on this song, and I, we're going to get to it later, and I, I oftentimes use Prince fault to kind of tell me whose voices am I hearing, uh, yeah. those that aren't, clearly aren't Prince. And there's a verse later on in the song where I wasn't clear and I just had to make a guess. And I think <laughs> I'm right, but we'll talk about that. But anyway, this is the band that we've called Love Sexy, but it's certainly in Prince's mind at the time. He might be thinking, yeah, this is the New Power Generation, man. Right, this is new thing. Right. And I just haven't, this isn't a Prince and the New Power Generation album, therefore it never really got officially kind of assigned mm-hmm. that name to this band. So, it's an interesting point. Um, okay, so anything else about I mean, the whole, like, there's the reason my voice is, no clear, is so clear is there's no smack in my brain. That's clearly like Prince uh, calling out, you know, drugs and so right. like his slang term for for drugs or heroin or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. So he's not uh, he's never really been about that. Um, yeah. And this is this just seems like a pretty pretty overt you know just kind of declaration like I'm anti like an anti drug PSA put to music in some ways. There's throughout the song there's a lot of like this is bad this is good this is bad this is good you know. Yeah. And he really tries to draw a lot of uh attention to what in his mind and you know in his worldview are things that are bad and things that are good things that Mm -hmm. are dark things that are light things that Mm -hmm. are influenced by the devil things that are Mm
1: -hmm. influenced Mm
0: -hmm. by the lord and this this song is essentially about that um and then the last thing i want to mention before we start getting into the verses is this this word hundalacilia yeah Okay, so, I mean, hearing this song for many years prior to me having a podcast where I actually take the time and look up lyrics, um, I never thought anything of this. I just thought he was just kind of screaming some Mm -hmm. made-up word or just, like, I I, I didn't think about it, you know? I just didn't think about it. But now that I'm looking at it, I'm like this is allegedly a word. This is something that he made up because I did some <laughs> searching on it, uh-huh. and there really is nothing. So I don't even know mm-hmm. if there's a word that this like he literally just created this just for this song. Yeah. What's your What's your understanding of what this song or what this word is and what its meaning is? I'm in- interested to hear your point of view on this. Well, uh,
1: to quote you know, Thor, of course, all words are made up, right? But <laughs> but I'm with you. Got, you. I'm, you got me there. <laughs> I'm with you. Cuz I mean, you know, uh in what the, the you know, there's the so okay, cuz you can kind of hear in my voice it's like I'm I'm trying not to burst, right? So let's just let's just kind of pull back a second and look at the time period and 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 you know, and and what Love, sexy was created for, right? Love, sexy was created to replace the black album that he had withdrawn, right? Yep. And the exciting thing about love, sexy is that most of these songs, with the clear exception of "When Two Are in Love," which was a, a, a which got saved, you know, from the black album to be officially released. And I Know, which is a reworking of The Ball, which was an older song, right? But all the rest of them are like new, like new, you know? <laughs> right? Yeah. And, yeah, you know? And that hadn't happened in a while, right? Sign of the Times is an album that came out in 1987, but it's comprised of songs that had been done, you know, a, at least a year, if not, you know, 14 to 16 months. Maybe even eighteen in months in early. A case
0: like Strange Relationship, several years. Yeah.
1: 1983, right? Right. Strange yeah. Relationship, which is actually first referenced publicly in 1985 in that Rolling Stone article, right? So, yeah. we're getting like fresh prints, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> <We're> getting, <laughs> no pun <we're> getting, intended. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're getting like New Year, New You prints, right? And so, you know, the Black Album and Love, Sexy, you know, they're two halves of the same coin. You know, and Prince bound them together. And more evidence of that fact was in the later World Tour, where the first half of the show was sort of like the quote unquote dark half, you know, and, uh, you know, the sex, the illicit, uh, you know, sis, he played Sister, he played Love Bizarre. Yeah, he played Bob George, right? You know, and then the I second half, song. right. And the second half, lights are all different. You know, he's got. Flowers coming up out the stage and everything, right? Everybody's in bright colors, and it's, you know, it's Love Sexy time. You know, these two albums are really co-joined. And you've got this spooky electric thing that he talks about in, Lo- in I Know. And you've got this Love Sexy thing that he also talks about. Of course, the album's named Love Sexy, but he actually says the word Love Sexy, you know, in the song. As these two entities to replace the devil and the supreme being, right? So, like, you know, what's all that about, right? It's like, it's like they're proxies, you know, Love Sexy being a proxy for Jesus and, and Spooky Electric being a proxy for Satan. And so what you get in Love Sexy is the closest thing that you're ever going to get. It's essentially a gospel album. Right. And I know as a song is not just a declaration of faith, but he's it's actually he's actually testifying. Right. It's like, you, you know, you, you, in, in certain denominations of Christianity, you go to church and there's like a period where you where where the parishioners get to testify, they get to stand up and you talk about what the Lord has done for them. Right. And we're going to get into it. But yeah, line by line, verse by verse, <laughs> he's talking about <laughs> this testifying, this testimony. Of this faith that he's calling Love Sexy. Yeah. So, Hunda LaCilia is basically hallelujah. He's 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 giving this hallelujah praise for Love Sexy. And he's telling us, the listener, that I know what this is about. I was awakened and you can happen to you too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, for the low, low price of $9.99 for LP and... You know, sixteen ninety nine CD, right? For one for a one track LP, just for the, yeah. Uh, I also didn't know that when this album was first
0: released, it was released on CD as one long track. One long track. Bro. He wanted this album to be listened to from beginning to end, exactly. no breaks. And Jason, I'm here to tell you, I
1: spent like what like forty forty five dollars to get a German version of Left Sexy that's tracked. You know, because <laughs> it's yeah. like you don't want to get it's like oh geez, I just want to, you know. I just want to hear Glam Slam or something, right? <laughs> I don't have to get through all of this.
0: So sue me. Sorry, Prince. I didn't want to listen to the whole 45 minutes right. <laughs> straight again just to hear one song. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I'm with you on the Hundula Celia being like a like a declaration, just like a hallelujah, praise God, praise Jesus kind of thing, because he, he, he punctuates every chorus with that. And so, I mean, that's yeah. usually a word that is meant to punctuate a, a statement or... A declaration or you know a testimony so to speak so for him for it to kind of have that meaning even though it's a word that nobody was familiar with and still yeah. really isn't it's not like it became part of our common vernacular it kind of came and went with this album
1: You're right um, you never so far, used
0: it again yeah. right it was it was here for a moment for a period of time and then it just kind of went away but uh, it, that that makes absolute sense, especially when you put it in the context of how these lyrics go. Like the first verse is, "I know there is a heaven. I know there is a hell. Is a hell. Listen to me, people. I got a story to tell. I know there was confusion, lightning all around me. That's when I called his name. Don't you know he found me? Mm-hmm. To me, that sounds like somebody testifying. Like, I know there's a heaven. I know there's a hell. I'm I'm basically admitting in front of, you know, God and my family and friends that I'm i a man of faith. Um, and this is what my faith is telling me. I, I know that there's good and there's evil in this world. I know that uh, heaven and hell exists and what i need to do is make sure i'm on the right side of god when i when i pass on uh there was confusion lighting all around me kind of speaks to me a little bit about and maybe mm-hmm. i'm reading really too much into it but some of the dark places he was in prior to the recording of love sexy before he was you know enlightened so right. to speak you know the creation of the black album maybe was some of that confusion that he yeah. felt like or he was clouded his his mind was clouded in dark thoughts but then he called his name and his name, mm-hmm. of course, you know, you would have to believe that that's Jesus or God. Uh, and then he found me. So, you know, he's been saved, I guess, is how you can
1: kind of interpret that in some ways. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, like lockstep, you know, um, there was confusion, lightning all around me. Um, you know, could extend to the drama that was going on that led to the breakup of, you know, the revolution. You know, him trying to manage his fiancee Susanna Melvoin and a relationship <clears> with two of his bandmates, one being her twin sister Wendy Wendy Melvoin and, and Lisa Coleman, right? Um, mm-hmm. the the you know the the uh, the closeness that he had, you know, with Lee during the same time, who was the opening act for for the European and Japanese parade tour. It's like you got all this drama. Let's not even get into the whole, you know, Vanity Six, you know, Susan, Susan Moonsey, Jill Jones. It's like this dude is just creating these situations <laughs> that yeah, gonna you know, bring him a lot yeah. of drama. And you know, maybe this is his, you know, uh, uh, admission that it got to be to the point where he just needed to get out he needed something someone you know to save him from this
0: yeah i mean all the accounts from those who were there at the time and again we're kind of speculating i'm speculating but there's been documented accounts and you can take them or leave them if you believe people like susan rogers who was there you know Mm -hmm. in the studio Mm -hmm. with him a lot or like susanna or sheila or whoever was close to him at the time um, you know, he had his moments around this time, this 86, 87 time period, where it seemed like things like he was maybe not in a great place mentally. And it just makes sense like this album coming around right after all of this and these declarations and it being such a positive record, you know, from front to back, like all the songs as I go through this album with my various guests are going to have more or less a very common thread of being meant to be uplifting, meant to be positive uh you know songs that are very deep rooted in in gospel like i i also got the gospel feeling throughout Mm -hmm. this song and there's a lot of like the way he even sings each of the verses here he changes that up and there's certain verses that you know he'll sing in one a line in one way and then he'll sing it a different way and then he'll slow down his his speech pattern and he'll like almost like uh preach the choir in a spoken word section but then he'll like you know, a uh, very, an exuberant declaration in the next line. It's all within, like, a verse, and yeah. just kind of all over the place in terms of his vocal performance, which I guess, I don't, I'm not trying to say, like, um, gospel churches are chaotic, but there's a lot of, like, people in the background you hear people and voices in the background and i mm-hmm. just envision like somebody who's testifying mm-hmm. there's people behind him like kind of agreeing with them like yeah like, like a witness John, brother, you know like right exactly. yeah exactly yeah exactly and that's i get a lot of that vibe from the song <laughs> So the chorus goes, "No" is what spooky electrics say. It's not okay, but mm-hmm. I know, love is the only way till my dying day. No, till my dying day, I'll be okay. Cause love, sexy is the one, till my day is done. Undilucilia. Mm-hmm. All right. So the chorus is really where, again, we get a lot of this new, this new slang. Yeah, these uh this, this this new language that Prince has created for this album. Spooky Electric we kind of already mentioned that that is his code word for for the devil, for Satan. Mm-hmm. Love Sexy, the the name of the album also mentioned the title of the album for the first time in the song here in the chorus. So no is what Spooky Electric say it's not okay. So you're already getting like no, not okay, negative kind of uh language used around the word spooky electric and then love sexy is the one till my day is done coming after you know love is the only way till my dying day i'll be okay so you, it, he's he's helping us as the listener along to try to make these connections to what these new words right. are meaning like so you hear spooky electric for the first time and you're like i don't know what the hell he's trying to say here <laughs> right. they love sexy like the album love <laughs> right. sexy it doesn't instantly bring to mind God for people who are not familiar with the content of this album or the content of this song love sexy for the people. And, and I was, a you know, a victim of it as well or guilty of it as well. When it first came out, I was thinking Prince was on some freaky shit, you know? I mean, <laughs> sure. He's, yeah, he's I mean, naked on he's, the cover. He's naked on the album. Power. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I was thinking this was some new, you know, uh, Prince being you know kind of a, a freak again. From that perspective, I had no idea that Love Sexy was intended to actually be like a representation of, of God and Jesus Christ. So yeah. it was lost, I think, not just on me at first, but I probably a lot of people who dismiss this record as for those reasons. And they just really didn't understand. Like if you didn't listen to it or you didn't like read reviews about it that, that dug into the concepts and stuff that he was singing about, then you would have. It's easily easy to dismiss, and to not spend time with thinking that Prince was not doing what he was actually trying to do here, and and uh, make a make a very spiritual album.
1: Yeah, I, I previously mentioned earlier versions of this song, and it's actually the release version that contains both the term "spooky electric" and "love sexy" in this course. In the earlier versions, um, he says something. Um, no, uh, is what the demons say. It's not okay. you know, but I know love is the only way till my dang day. No, till my dying day, I'll be okay cause I know he is the one till my day is done. um and i I have to listen to it again to confirm if if he's even got Honda Lacilia in that. but i think I think, as he was you know working on this song and thinking over you know these concepts, he decided to create uh you know the proxies or characters you know that embody you know, what he's talking about spooky electric you know for the dark side love sexy you know for for like the light side um you know and going back to tying this kind of like back to the cover in a way um some people have interpreted the cover i'm one of them some of the people have interpreted the cover you know as meaning as 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 like a rebirth and you know in the christian faith when you when you you know when you are baptized your sins are washed away you know and you become you know reborn um or born again and we know that um maybe a year or two years prior prince recorded a song called rebirth of the flesh where he's got another made up word called solia colia like nobody knows what the hell that means but you know he's kind of like making up these words that sort of you know i guess in solia Colia's case it, it it probably just you know sounded cool maybe <laughs> you know as opposed to some sort of deeper meaning or declaration you know but he's got this song called you know rebirth of the flesh that that you know set a, more so against kind of like a party motif uh, you know but but i i, I don't want to go so far to say that these were sort of like seeds to i know so much as you know, he's doing these different things that under the right circumstances kind of culminate with another idea to fulfill a different, you know, kind of kind of pur- purpose. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you're anything like me, Jason, you know, I always thought that every album that an artist recorded, it was because... They recorded this album, maybe they toured on it, and then they went back to the studio and wrote some new songs and then recorded that album, right? I had no concept of the idea that somebody wrote a song three years before, but they just sat on it. And then it, you know, kind of comes out. I just always felt that, you know, the ideas were just like album releases, linear. Yeah. Under thought, right? So to have this kind of perspective, you know, on, on... material and songs that Prince released and unreleased and how things sort of like connect to each other um is is really fascinating and and you know your show is like perfect for that right because you can actually go back and sort of like listen to how lyrics were you know written then and maybe they were referred to later and you know etc but yeah i do think i really do think that that the chorus is this this pulling, you know, that that's sort of like on uh, the old, you know, Warner Brothers cartoons where, you know, bugs would have, you know, two little, you know, sort of angels on his shoulder. One being the angel with the harp and the other being the <laughs> red angel, you know, yeah. the angel in red with the pitchfork, you know, it's like, yep. do this. No, I'm not going to do it. You know, it's not OK. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and again, you know, you're getting this. And he ends the first verse with a hundred Lacilia. He ends the chorus with a hundred licitlia, you know, just declaring, praising, affir- affirming, right? It's it's yeah. it's, um, it's a hell of a thing, man. I mean, it's, it's, you know, the song, but the album—it's literally like the framework for what he did, you know, years later on the Rainbow Children. The same album, right? It's just an extension
0: of yeah, different different uh, religious ideologies, but yeah, it's the exactly. Same kind of thing. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is the, really, it's like the, the perfect opening track for this album because of how it presents these concepts and these ideas brand new to listeners of Prince, right. longtime listeners of Prince, and it does it in a way that is easily digestible. The music's upbeat, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it could have been, I mean, it has the, the, the ability to be it wasn't a single it wasn't released as a single there wasn't actually a lot of singles from this album i think he only released yeah. three mm-hmm. but this could have been a single based off of just how upbeat the song is and how fun and funky it is but i think the uh, the lyrics are really what drive this is to be such an important opening track because it does it does kind of create this new world for us as the listener of what he's where he's going in his messaging In the second verse that goes I know there's a devil because he talks so loud He makes you do things that your Friends do hang out with the crowd mm-hmm. But my lord he is so Quiet when he calls your name When you hear it your heart will Thunder you will want to hear it every day And uh, again <clears throat> The way he delivers Those lines is, is different than the way He delivered the first verse mm-hmm. So just you know listen to it uh, For people who are Listening to the podcast you don't remember how he sings these lines. Go back and listen to it quick. But I, what I what I think was smart for him to do in this second verse is because it's fascinating when you said that, you know, the early versions of this song, he did not have this these proxies all fleshed out yet like spooky electric wasn't a thing yet or at least it wasn't documented as a thing Uh, he didn't say love sexy he was using like the more common terminology and and he goes Mm -hmm. back to that here in this verse he's i know there's a devil he says the devil he didn't say spooky electric right but my lord he is so quiet so he's calling out the lord again and what i think is smart about that is again he's trying to bring people in i mean this needs to be like something that he does to bring listeners to his message not push them away and if you and if you get into the, this uh the, these this language that is too dense or too difficult to understand that could turn listeners off or maybe they just stop mm-hmm. listening to the lyrics and just get down with the with them with the music but if he wants to bring get people to understand more then i think this was the right decision to then go back and forth like to use the terms spooky electric and love sexy sometimes but also very, make it very explicit by saying, "I'm talking about the devil. I'm talking yeah. about God," and and if you weren't sure by listening to the first verse or any <laughs> context <laughs> clues, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna make it very clear now because that's what I'm talking about, you know. And then you then as the listener, we can start to like, oh yeah, spooky electrics, the devil, I get it now. Uh, so anyway, I just thought that that was a smart way to go about that he could have done it either way he could have done verse one being devil and god and then verse two being spooky electric and love sexy but he chose to do like the new language first and then back it up with some basic language basic words that everybody understands so, uh, anything with the second verse you want to call out i mean you know he's basically saying like the devil makes you do things you don't you shouldn't be doing but uh, you know, the, again, he's he's testifying here. The Lord called my name, and now my heart's a thunder, and I'm going to hear it every day. You know, I want to hear it every day. So we, I see, I get the same visuals that we were kind of describing before.
1: Yeah the 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 line, uh, um, you know, he makes you do things that your friend do, that your friends do, hang out with the crowd. And, it, You know, it reminds me of the, something else we talked about before we started recording. You know, it's kind of like the repetitive party sequences that would just sort of you know appear and on the black album i think there's one long one that appears what is it before it's before super funky california sexy there's one that or that's between
0: uh super funky in, and west compton there's the yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah
1: and kind of like what goes on you know at these parties and um Like some of the things that he does refer to on on Super Funky uh, that kind of like tie into ecstasy ecstasy culture at at clubs and, you know, the dance experiences Um, that might even tie into how he opens I know up with uh, a reason my voice is so clear is because there's no smack in my brain. And maybe just speaking to what he... Because you figure, you know, in in an artist at his level, you know, there's so much that goes on, you know, around him that um, particularly like, you know, illicit behavior. And we know that, you know, in his own, you know, encampment, there have been issues with, you know, addiction and, you know, and drugs. And it's got to be hard. We, you know... we know how Prince ultimately you know expired based off of you know dependencies yeah. um, but I for one don't tie his demise to this period from the standpoint of saying that he has this this elongated history because there are many of us who may have tried things, but Did not continue use, or maybe tried one thing one time, and then tried something else, you know, another time, right? That doesn't necessarily define a history of addiction, right? Okay, no, no, I agree that, and I'm not just talking. I'm not necessarily just talking about substance, you know. I mean, the, you know, you know, sex or or lying or, you know, what I'm saying, just, (laughs) you know, it's just like, you know, I mean, you can establish patterns any way that you want to, but you know. One thing doesn't necessarily define, you know, something else. Okay, so going, you know, specifically, like, you know, to this line, you know, it, it you know, it, it's, it, you know, it's kind of like the thing where, you know, you, you, know, your parents tell you don't run around with this crowd because, I don't want you to turn out like some of these people over here, you know, um, and I think he's kind of referring to something like that in that spirit, I, you know. There was always confusion. There was lightning around me, you know, but that's when I called my name, his name. And don't you know, he found me. I got out of that, you know, and, yeah. and and, you know, I just spent a whole long time saying, I think these two things are kind of, you know, correlated, right? Um, yeah, I agree. They totally are. They're correlated. To, you kind of to a quiet space. It's like you have to, you, the individual has to take some kind of initiative because my Lord, he is so quiet when he calls your name. You you can't. If he's quiet, you can't hear it. If you're in a loud space, right? You've got to. You've got to do the work. Do enough work to be in a place where you actually can hear, because it could very well be that he'd been calling your name all this other times, but you couldn't hear it because you were in these other places where the devil was talking so loud. Yeah, it get. uh, You know, at the risk of of you know repeating myself, I just feel that there's so much in. That he packs in to this one song, to effectively introduce this, you know, this album, which has been a co- called a concept album. I, I, you know, I believe that it is one in the same kind of way that Rainbow Children is a concept album, um, because, and quite frankly, it it's it's while Rainbow Children is sort of like kind of kind of like a singular thing, you know, I mean, like musicology, he doesn't get into Jehovah Witness faith. In that kind of way, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But Left Sexy, it kind of spilled over to, you know, the next project. Not so much Batman, but definitely spilled over into the complete thematic presentation of Graffiti Bridge, the album as well as the soundtrack, right? So there was like this period, you know what I'm saying? It's like there was this period that I know really introduces us to. Um, What's uh, the first song off of
0: Diamonds and Pearls? Oh, man thunder thunder, thunder. thunder. Ooh, you thunder. Got when you hear it your heart will thunder so even even like from love Sexy you know, we're going to skip batman cuz batman's whole other thing.
1: <laughs> yeah 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 but yeah, love yeah, sexy
0: yeah. to graffiti bridge to dynamo yeah but you Pearl. see it right yeah thunder
1: yeah, yeah exactly but, um yeah, it's just a lot into yeah you can't really i just don't feel that you can really give you can certainly give this album enough credit right but i don't feel that you can really give this album the proper credit, you know, without looking at it and how it influenced, you know, certainly in the next three, possibly even four years of his life. Because even like the Simple album, you know, had the same kind of world, you know, built into it um, where, you know, where the echoes of Left Sexy can still be heard as well as seen.
0: Yeah, he was definitely world building at this time, and this was this whole, like he had. Obviously, he was very excited about this concept, this album, mm-hmm. to get out there and do a, a big tour, production tour uh, around it. Unlike what he did with "Sign," I mean, "Sign of the Times" was it was a tour, but it never right. hit the United States because he was kind of already right. over it. He wanted to to move on already before he right. could even tour the United States. But this one. Ah, uh, the production values of the love Sexy Oof. tour were off the chain. So he was obviously excited about it. Obviously, he had this visual representation he wanted to present to to audience members and uh, and to end the album into or I should say the end of the concert with this with the spiritual aspect, the spiritual side that he had expressed on love sexy. it would it would have almost been, Like if he didn't follow this through for a few years i think it would have been almost like more damaging to his credibility like dude i mean you were all about this uh Mm -hmm, spiritual mm -hmm. bend and then if he just abandoned it completely and went on a completely different direction a year later or two years later i can see listeners becoming a little bit jaded like you brought me in man i bought into this love sexy concept and now you're abandoning me right So I'm glad that he stuck around, you know, or stuck with it for a while to to kind of emphasize and really for the most of his career, he stayed a very overtly spiritual recording Mm -hmm. artist. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, the the ideas, the language that he's using on this song and this album may not have stuck around. He didn't really talk much about Spooky Electric or Love Sexy. That was more of a, a, a moment of time. But the overarching. Uh, the overarching message was stuck with him and stuck with his music for for the most of his career if not all of it it just yeah. changed a little bit during the jehovah's witness times but it was still very spiritual
1: no agreed i mean say what you want about him he was definitely secure in what he believed and um you know you mentioned the tour and the visual component you know to this that's why i really believe that it's worthy to to have uh um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a 25-pound stack of seven albums and stuff, right? But, <laughs> you know, no. but certainly, you know, some kind of treatment where people are actually able to see the the Love, Sexy Tour. If nothing else, the the television broadcast that was done in, uh, in Dortmund, Germany, um, because they you know, he's acknowledging both sides of his, I guess, worldview, mm-hmm. right? And the the, you know, the album by itself, you know, certainly can stand alone, but it's just that much more powerful when you see that there's this visual component to it, you know. Um, And the staging being that it was in the round, that was very, very, very different for for Prince. Not a lot of artists did that, you know, and his later tours, that was kind of like his M.O., You know, welcome to America in the Super Bowl. He had this stage that was, you know, shaped like his name. You know, Um, musicology. You know, was like a very simplistic kind of cross stage, but it was in the round, in the center of the floor of the arena. He did that for the first time during the Love, Sexy tour. Certainly, the arenas couldn't do that really outdoors, and the outdoor venues that he did in Europe
0: yeah no I'm, I'm with you on that I think we need that we need to have that uh, visual representation through the for a tour being in nice clear video for those of us who weren't available or uh, I mean I was alive, alive. I was 13, I was some <laughs> of us weren't alive some some of us definitely weren't alive I was I was 13 I wasn't going to see you know elaborate prince concerts when I was 13 years old in 1988 so I missed out. And I would love to see it, um, you, know, yeah. in, you know, in some official yeah. fashion. Just give us the tour in a nice cleaned up version and I'll be a happy man. Uh, Okay, so moving on with the third verse. Third verse is interesting because it's like, okay, he's doing something else now. Like he's really just, Mm -hmm. again, testifying. All right, y'all, everybody in the house. And then you hear somebody, a woman, say, "Serve it up, Frankie," which is a callback to again, the Black album. Mm -hmm. Um, "Serve it up, Frankie." Something Cat Glover says like twice on that record, but then the record got scrapped. So it's like, hey, I really, I really dug that "Serve it up, Frankie" line. Can you, can you can you say it again for this new album that i'm creating that i actually am planning to release this time so anyway uh then he goes here's what i want you to do raise your hand up straight in the air swing it to the right savoir faire up on the two swing on the four, everybody on the dance floor so uh, i'm just getting like he's doing similar stuff to what he did on housequake and the grind yeah. yeah talking about doing his dance moves but when you and by itself just like in a vacuum It seems like it doesn't have much meaning or much importance to the overarching message of i know but when you when you slap it in the middle of the song now he just kind of like again i get the visual he's in the church and he's trying Mm -hmm. to get everybody on his side yeah everybody involved in this in this uh and he wants them to to kind of dance along with him and, and and party with him and, and enjoy the moment with him. And to do that, Prince, you know, goes to dance. Dancing is something that he has always been very, like, it's been an important part of his music, whether he's creating dance music or whether he's talking about a new dance that he's creating, uh, the uh, the bird, or if it's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the Detroit the crawl wall. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, card. yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. He's doing all this stuff and he's not like calling this, this is called the, the Love sexy man. This is called the I know. He's just, wanting people to to have fun and this is supposed to be a fun song about an, a, a concept that you know may seem heavy on the surface but right if you don't think of it that way if you think of it being like this is a joyous moment i'm, I'm declaring my faith i'm calling saying that god's found me and i'm and i'm following him uh so let's you know everybody you got on the dance floor we're gonna we're gonna raise our hands in the air and
1: right. we're gonna have fun it's like the Godspell that's moment of the song, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that goes right into the bridge. You hear uh, "sha, oh, sha, oh," and then you hear Prince say, "Y'all, y'all ain't got it together. Go ahead, go ahead, raise your hand up straight in the air." So it's just mm-hmm. kind of an extension of this third verse. Anything you wanted to mention about that besides what we've already,
1: or what I've already talked about? This yeah, song. One thing that's 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 i don't think it's really obvious at all right but if you want to talk about somebody that's got name check in prince material in a really concentrated period of time you can it, it's it's frank knuckles it's Frankie knuckles
0: <laughs> right, right? <laughs>
1: and and you know frankie knuckles is effectively the godfather of house music and so of you know to Basically to say like, you know, Frankie Knuckles was just like, you know, this popular club DJ would be like saying, you know, DJ Cool Herc was just like a pop- popular, you know, Bronx party guy. Right. It's like these two individuals personified the music that that they, you know, played and grew in an outside outsized kind of way. You know, Kool Herc, the godfather of hip hop. Right. And, you know, house music. Frankie Knuckles in particular really gave gave the music and, you know, an an identity. And, you know, he was from New York. He was a Chicago based DJ, you know, who was one of the first DJs to really have like a residence, you know, at a club called The Warehouse in Chicago. And he later opened up a club called The Power Plant, you know, on his own. Um, But, you know, this is early going into mid 80s and Cat Glover being, you know, from Chicago, this was... You know, the scene, this was the advent of house music, you know, in that city and Prince being exposed to this certainly from her directly. But we also know just from various, not even necessarily reports, but just, you know, articles over the years that, you know, Prince was a club guy. He liked to go out. He liked to dance. You know, he liked to bring his records to DJs to have them play and to see the reaction. So it's very plausible that, you know, he heard this music and, uh, you know, house music also and Prince directly affected the development of Detroit techno, right, which took elements of house and took elements of Prince's electronic forays, you know, and, and now you've got this movement of electronic music that the evidence of which you hear to this very day, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and you know, and something that made Frank Knuckles really unique was that in the records that he spun, he was heavily influenced by gospel music. So in these dance records, you had this infusion of gospel artists and gospel themes. And now you've got Love Sexy, that is effectively a Prince gospel album. Am I saying that Love Sexy was because? Prince was influenced by house music and and Frankie Knuckles? Well, no. But yeah, in some ways, yes. Um, And more explicitly, completely off off topic but related, is that uh, Chuck Zwicky, who was an engineer, he worked a little bit as an assistant engineer on Left, Sexy, but later recorded the Batman album and a good portion of Graffiti Bridge. Uh, as Prince's primary engineer at Paisley Park, Chuck Wiki has said that the follow-up to Love Sexy was going to be a record called Rave to the Joy Fantastic. And that project was started because Prince went to Chuck and said, we're going to make a house music album. So the the music that Prince wanted to do was forthcoming, but even... On in two earlier songs, one being When the Dawn of the Morning Comes Which was done in 1986, it's actually released on the Sign of the Times deluxe version Is kind of a praise and glory, hand clap kind of song Oh, totally, yeah But yeah. more directly, a song called The Line Which features his keyboardist, Bonnie Boyer, on vocals That was done in 87, actually appeared on an early configuration of Left Sexy Left Sexy was originally going to be nine songs, but then Prince pulls that off. And then you've got the final version that we know now. The line is straight up Frank Knuckles' house. And, you know, here having Frank Knuckles' name checked, not by Prince, but, you know, by Cat on his music on more than one song and more than one time and more than one period is the closest thing that you get to a cosign by Prince that, you know, yeah, I like, I, I like what Frankie's doing. I like what house music is doing. And it's influencing, you know, his own work. So the cool thing about 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 Prince that sometimes the more the more zealot of the fan base kind of get up in arms about is is that you know, the fact that maybe Prince did something in reaction to something else um, lessens the fact that, you know, he was this genius who could do anything and, you know, and play anything. And, it, you know, it's really not. And, and a lot of what makes Prince Prince is, you know, his ability to take what he hears, be influenced by it, but not, ne- but not necessarily do it in an also ran way. He does it, you know, in a Prince way. And um, with the exception of him, you know, rapping and trying to do hip hop, uh, it's, it's, it's yeah. a pretty, you know, it pretty much worked. Uh, even though, even though, from on the hip hop side, there were a lot of there were a lot of rappers that actually wanted to work with Prince because Prince was just a known incredible, you know, beat maker. Um, it's just the the you know the actual rap ping is something that I, you know.
0: Well yeah, he just wasn't kind breaking any new like, ground from a complicated <laughs> standpoint. <laughs> no, yeah, you know, no. He wasn't, he wasn't introducing new flows like DOS effects or <laughs> exactly <laughs> or anybody yeah, like exactly. that. So. Exactly,
1: exactly. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But um yeah. But yeah, I just think it's I I you know, I really think it's cool that you know, Frankie Knuckles is is name checked in this way because it's it's in real time, you know. And um you know you can you can you can hear the evidence of you know this new music kind of creeping into prince's vocabulary um because in truth the music that he had been doing for years and years um you know was kind of the it's almost like you know you 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 influence something and then turn around and be become influenced by what you've done i mean it's almost in you know almost in a recursive way and then you know the artist develops even you know even further so yeah. Well, you had mentioned Bonnie uh, just yeah,
0: minute, just a minute ago. Now, as the song progresses, we get this next section of lyrics. This is where Kind of Prince does this back and forth with no and yes. Uh, and, and this section is sung by a woman. And is, right. do you believe this to be Bonnie? Is this Bonnie on vocals
1: here? Yeah, so that's Bonnie Boyer. Because, um, okay, I had the same kind of... Um, challenge that that you know that you had it's like, all right, how many voices are we really hearing you know is Bonnie doubling herself is Bonnie and Sheila actually singing this because there's right, that's things, what I was wondering right too. there's some things where it's like it clearly just sounds like it's Sheila e you know singular um but in terms of like you know like the screams and the real force that's 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 coming from that's coming from Bonnie Boyer
0: yeah like as the as the lyrics start off i thought it sounded like sheila's singing voice but as these lines progress i'm like way 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 sheila doesn't do
1: this yeah day. like to say so, no like say no if you yeah. don't want to live life under i see i think that's sheila like sheila proper. okay yes yeah, yeah. I, think. I mean that, that sounds know, right to me headphones you know <laughs> you know turn off all the lights Close my eyes really, really tight, kept pointing it over and over again, <laughs> trying to identify yeah. who that is.
0: So the lines are say no. No, if you can't find your way, everybody say. Say no. No, if you're afraid, everybody ain't got it made. Say no. If you want a drug other than the god above, no, if you need a drink every single day, blow that devil away. So here is Prince kind of talking about the stuff that you know he was only alluding to earlier, the things yeah. that uh the things that your friends are doing or the negative negativity that maybe is surrounding somebody like Prince, you know, things that he's seeing every single day, potentially drug use, alcohol use uh-huh, and abuse. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, being surrounded by that with his entourage, with his buddies. I mean, he, you know, Prince was not averse to going out and having a drink now and then. I don't think. I, I don't think he was like total teetotaler. Like I no, I won't. In 1988, at least, 87, 88, he talks a little bit about alcohol and songs previously, but I never really yeah. took it to be like, yeah, I'm a hard partier, I'm going to get plastered. But uh, I'm sure like going to the club, I mean, he's always surrounded by this. I mean, that's what you do at clubs. You have a drink and you dance right. and you have a good time. Um, you know, that's it's around him. So you know if you can't find your way, everybody say uh, that. I mean, some of these lines, you know, they're not necessarily quite as clear. If you can't find your way, meaning just like to me means just I don't I don't see I can't see God. I can't find him. Mm-hmm. My I'm, my my path is a little bit blurry. Vision's a little bit blurry, not necessarily just because of drugs and alcohol, but just because I don't have like the light that God shines available to me. I have to go find that light and then follow right. that path. Uh, if you want a drug other than the God above, so he kind of likens God and and. Jesus as like a, a drug in some ways, like he's making yeah. like that, that connection there and calling it that, but just a, a, a good drug. Like love is a good drug. People, that is something that people say, love is a drug.
1: Yeah, I think of rock so
0: music. Basically, yeah, exactly. So he's saying kind of the similar thing here. And, and also, I mean, he's not saying like, if you ever have alcohol, you're a bad person. Right. So if you need to drink every single day, blow that devil away. So he's mm-hmm. really kind to me, just speaking to those who have, you know, turned that into a crutch or an addiction so much. So as then just saying like it's bad, you're a bad person if you have a drink every now and then.
1: Yeah, and he's older, right? I mean, he's 29; he's just about 30 when the album comes out. It's not the first time that he's sung about God. He's been doing that for years and years. But now, you know, he's got he's got money, he's got resources, he's traveled the world. You know, he's had different experiences. He almost got married, right? He's a lot more, I believe, more secure in himself, what his beliefs are. um, And I don't think he could, you know, man, I don't, much less the record, I don't think he could have made a song like this three years earlier. I, you know, I just don't. I think that that there was just, you know, too much going on in his life where... You know, before Purple Rain he could maybe, you know, buy a car, buy his mom a house. After Purple Rain, Jesus. Right? Yeah. (laughs) You know
0: (laughs) right. The stakes were the stakes weren't as high for him. he, he he'd already made it. So he already had that had that uh kind of goodwill in the bank, so to speak, with the public, with his record label. Yeah. Where he could he could, you know, make a withdrawal and say, I'm gonna do this really spiritual album. If you don't like it, that's your problem, not mine. Right. I'm still doing it.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't have to apologize to anybody. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, man, you know, you got I mean, you know, I remember years ago, Music Snobs. we did a couple of print shows and we've done three in total. But two of them, we had a, you know, a very tersely worded cease and desist from N.P.G. Records. <laughs> um <laughs> But on those shows, you know, we were talking about one focused on 1999, and then the second part, you know, focused on what we called, you know, the Holy Trinity of Sign of the Times, the Black Album, and and Love Sexy, and you know, one of one of our one of our hosts, Scoop Jackson, you know, he said, "Man, look, you know, if if I did Sign of the Times and the Black Album, like in this at the same and Love Sexy at the same time, she?" you know kiss my ass. I'm not I don't I don't have to prove anything anymore. I can I can be, you know, what I want to be, who I want to be and tell the world that because in my best work <laughs> up to this point has already happened, right? So I think that um to be able to feel comfortable enough, confident enough, that's even the better word, to be able to feel confident enough, you know, to make the follow up album that critics around the world were saying was his you know was his zenith sign of the times right to come behind that and do an album like this and then come behind that and do a and do a world tour like for real we we hadn't gotten a world tour from prince before love sexy you know even purple rain was a us tour it wasn't a world yeah. tour it meant to be a world like tour but it never bingo. did it. Yeah, exactly. yeah 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 you know um, and he's effectively, you know, spreading this message, so to speak, globally. That's pretty that's pretty confident. That's just, yeah, it's pretty confident. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, definitely. He he
0: was a man who knew what he wanted to do in his career and what he wanted to say. And the vision, I mean, can't argue with it can argue yeah. that the, the the tour was a smashing success i mean it was an expensive tour from what i understand so yeah. <laughs> you know there was definitely some uh, expenses but from a critical standpoint it was a smashing success so uh, he had it he had it figured out as far as to deliver something people hadn't seen before something that um he hadn't done before and to do it in a way that engaged everybody even if you were you know overly religious you could still Get on board with right. what he was doing because, it, 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 as overt as it was, it was still clouded in a lot of fun and funkiness, and it wasn't it didn't come across probably as as preachy as some of his other later <sighs> nah, religious songs might have been. You know,
1: it really didn't. I mean, from you know, I remember you know when in in Oakland, where I lived, he did he did three nights in Oakland. Two of them sold out, and then they added a third night. And I don't think the third night actually sold out, but but. What I remember was that I know opened up the second half of the show, which was, you know, the love sexy half where I was saying, like, the flowers were coming out of the middle of stage and stuff like that. Um, And, you know, the people like we were really excited to see Prince again because we had not seen him in mass like that since Purple Rain. You know, he did a one off appearance with Sheila E., uh, at the Warfield Theater in San Francisco in 1985, he did a one-off appearance with the Bengals You know, there was a hit—the original hit and run, pre-parade European tour was done in San Francisco, um, but that was like one night only. You know, 2,500 or so people, you know, saw that, and that was it. You know, we hadn't seen Prince, and at the time, I was 17 and in high school. You know, I I knew Bonnie Boyer's niece. Um I I knew in a in crazy roundabout way that I knew Miko Weaver's sister. Miko Weaver's sister helped me get actually I had already had tickets. She gave me better tickets and I went with her to see the show. <laughs> you know what I mean? I saw Miko nice. like, you know, getting our comp tickets and stuff like that. You know, my mind's like blown, right? Yeah. Um yeah. it was a really it's, <laughs> it was a really joyous experience and then Seeing the show actually informed the album a lot better. I mean, to the degree that I like, I remember writing a letter to Rolling Stone magazine protesting their three-star review of this album. And I wish, I wish email existed because I, you know, once you once you write a letter, it's gone, right? Yeah. <laughs> like I can't, yeah. I can't prove nobody was that making it. photocopies. It never published yeah. it exactly, exactly. You know, um, but you know, I mean, you know, boots on the ground. You know, this album meant a lot, kind of like beyond the music, because even the people that, and I knew some people that really weren't digging the album, they went to the Prince concert because they wanted to see Prince, you know, and Prince absolutely delivered. Um, the tour was on MTV, you know, the, 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 the opening night from Paris, I remember seeing that because he did the beat the European leg prior to coming to the, coming to the US. Um, there was a lot of hype and excitement around this return you know of Prince, particularly after sign of the times domestically only coming out you know in the as the film you know and that getting rave reviews because we were like whoa this is this is not purple rain you know this is not the parade album the, I yeah i just can't think of a better way that he would have introduced you know love sexy this <laughs> You know, new attitude, new year, new you, Prince. <laughs> then
0: yeah.
1: think going with something like, like I know, where he's telling you right out of the gate this is what I'm about, this is what I'm on, you know, strap in.
0: yeah because the lines continue he's talking like things that are good like say yes yes if you want this feeling called love yes if you want it now raise your hand raise your hand to the man above up on the two swing right on the four. we want everybody to open this door say no if you don't want to live life under the gun i know we know a better way to have some fun i know there's a heaven and a hell i know there is a heaven and a hell so he kind of closes the song with the same lines that he opened it up with mm-hmm. about knowing that there's mm-hmm. a heaven and a hell so you know yes again to love love is god god is love is something that he will make more clear later on in the album raise your hand to the man above again very much a testifying moment everybody opened this door i guess i get for that, a little bit of a visual to like open the door to heaven, open the door to Jesus. I mean, mm, mm-hmm. you, you can you can interpret that a, a, a few different ways, I suppose. But open the door to, you know, to do your nearest church and walk in and, and sit down and you yeah, know, and, and take part in this. Um, saying no to the living life under the gun is kind of cool because I mean, under the gun is a phrase that is typically meant to just mean like you know under a lot of pressure or right. stress. But, of course, it also can have a double meaning when you just literally think of guns and living with gun violence or, you know, living a life like expressed in Bob George with a guy who's jealous and violent and, um, you know, having that negativity in your life to to say no to that. Better way to have some fun. So, you know, maybe better way to have some fun, meaning like, you know, the stuff that he's already been talking about, drugs, alcohol, often used to have fun or they are they coincide with moments where people are having fun parties dancing but there's a better way to have some fun maybe you know try this whole uh heaven and hell god and jesus thing and see how fun that can be trying to trying to make it it's almost like he's uh trying to sell it to you know sell it sell god sell jesus sell religion to people who aren't already religious like it can be fun guys listen to me i'm having fun this is a fun song it's not it it doesn't have to be like i grew up catholic i went to a lot of catholic you know services growing up and i would not call no offense to any catholics listen to my show i wouldn't call catholic services fun
1: okay
0: um they were very just like very uh strict in terms of like this, this is when you kneel this is when you stand up this is when you say this this is when you say that and it's very regimented, and there mm-hmm. there isn't a lot of room for fun. Uh, so I feel like in this song, he's really trying to sell it hard. Like this is a fun thing. Yeah, it can be fun if you if you allow it to be.
1: Yeah, like near death experiences where there's like shared experiences where people see you know light and they're walking toward this light, you know. But then they're revived, and they're saying, "Listen, listen, this is this happened. I know." this happened, you know what I mean? This is how mm-hmm. it goes. And I know, yeah, exactly. Just yeah, like it's the like the way he type. ends this it's like I've been through this fire. I know, you know, that there is a heaven and a you know in a hell because I've I've definitely been in hell. So <laughs> and that's usually yeah. how it goes, right? Look, I've been I've been to that place. This place is much better. You know, um I gotta say, man, I mean I really can't say enough about I mean this song in particular, but you know this album uh, Love Sexy You know all together And I'm looking forward to 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 you know The next round You know of Shows that you do to, to get different people's You know take on it because it's like Love Sexy and I know you didn't ask me Like hey you know got any final thoughts well yeah Actually I do Jason but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now's the time man <laughs> It's like I just see I see I see love sexy as an album of intersections and going back to much earlier in you know in the show where i talked about you know the black album and love sexy being two halves of the same coin you've seen this intersection of this previous you know type of prince and you know prince doesn't usually you know acknowledge stuff that he's done you know it's like he's done it he moves on and where he performed Bob George For example and The whole song not just a snippet right? He performed the whole song During the Love Sexy tour as part of the set list You know that was like To us that had heard the Black album Then you know we were like Whoa he's really saying that he did it You know <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I actually did this um, You know this Intersection of of You know his feelings about sex and how it can get tied to debauchery, but sex as 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 love and, you know, the the product of sex can, is procreation and the extension of life and, you know, and you know, these two intersections of, you know, the music that he's done, the instrumentation, you know, that he used. I mean during Love Sex, he didn't play guitar a whole lot. You know, he let Miko pretty much, you know, handle the guitar. You know, we talked a little earlier about, you know, his his growing uh, um, affinity for house music and how that was almost completely crept into Love Sexy with the song The Line that he, you know, withdrew at the last minute, but still wanted to make a house music album, you know, later. It's like all these things are happening. And even though in real time, this is Love Sexy, this is the agenda, this is the album, this is the show. It's got nothing to do with the fact that he's thinking about all these other things that just aren't, surfaced you know to the public so so yeah again i mean i'm i'm really looking forward to hearing other people's takes on the songs for the rest of the album you know to see uh, what they picked up on you know too yeah. about this album because you know it's not everybody's favorite album no uh, this <laughs> no, is not, it's not you it's know not. but it, it,
0: it's in- infinitely intriguing i think even those who not, maybe not a big fan of the record overall I think they would at least admit that there's some interesting stuff going on here, even if they're not yeah. totally down with it or thinking that it's like, ah, I don't really get into the whole spooky, electric, love, sexy thing. The imagery kind of lost on me, but it's hard to dismiss it as being like completely uh, like a foolish endeavor. I think that right. you have to, yes. just to certainly think that Prince Head is hard into it. For sure, there it wasn't go. taught. I mean, he he baited it quickly, as you mentioned. Like this was kind of a, a quick turnaround because you know he wanted to get something out there, and the black album got uh, pulled. You know, they had to, had to replace it with something.
1: Right. So while, but it's might not obviously it, funky, right? It's not like you know Beyonce Alphabet Street. It's not like obviously, you know, funky. But it's, it it's Prince, and Prince is always funky. So there you go. Right. (laughs) at least funky as he's still a little bit funky, you know. (laughs) That's just inherent
0: to who he is and the music he makes. But yeah, no, I appreciate appreciate you spending some time with me today, Arthur, talking about the song and the album in general because it is the opening song from a new album. A lot of times we we talk a little bit more about the concepts of the album than we do maybe on later songs. Uh, So I understand like appreciate your perspective on it, especially from somebody who you know was was around at this time kind of saw um the love sexy tour and kind of understood you know where he was coming from and making that connection in real time is important so uh i definitely want to thank you again for for being on the show and uh, before i let you go do you want to shout out your show and where people can find
1: you and what you're up to sure sure and uh, thanks for the opportunity So. The Music Snobs can be found uh, really anywhere to find RSS feeds are consumed. uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google, we're on Spotify. Um, Just search The Music Snobs and you will find this. um, Our Twitter handle is Total Music Snobs. And we are gearing up for, oh my gosh, Jason, it's been 10 years 2022 It'll be 10 years of when, awesome, when we man. first started the show. So we've got we've got some um, some good shows planned for this round. We're doing pre production uh, as we speak. I actually have to do something for a meeting tomorrow. <laughs> about <laughs> yeah, that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah. I will
0: definitely put a link to your show uh, in my show notes. Make people aware of it and make sure that they have a way to connect to it, even if it's. You know, they're looking for it on a different um, platform, they'll be able to find it somehow. So, uh, again, I want to thank you and I hope to have you again on a future show. I'd love to have you back. You're a wealth of knowledge, and I, <laughs> I love picking your brain on stuff like this, on songs like this, and, and just, you know, prints in general. So, again, thanks. This has been the Press Rewind Prince Eric's podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. You can find the show on instagram facebook twitter using the press Rewind pod handle i'm also on youtube now so check out episodes on youtube if that's your preferred social media app and until next time thank you very much and goodbye